In today's episode, we discuss Ed's pro boxing career and his upcoming comeback, fatherhood, mindset, and how childhood affects us. Really hope you'll enjoy today's episode. Thanks for tuning in. Today's show is brought to you by IcePod, finally an affordable, portable, and effective way to get the benefits of cold water immersion in the comfort of your own home. I opted for the Pro Bundle, which includes the IcePod, a water circulating pump, a special insulated lid, and a thermometer to check the temp of your water. Even in Georgia, the IcePod keeps my water between 60 and 70 degrees, and when I load it up with a 36-pack of water bottles that I use and refreeze after each session, I can easily get it around 50 degrees for the perfect cold water immersion experience. Despite being light and portable, the IcePod is super durable, and it's the perfect solution for anyone who wants to experience the benefits of cold water immersion without spending thousands of dollars for a home water chiller or trying to DIY your own. Cold immersion can help with recovery and muscle soreness, raise dopamine levels, help you wake up and be more alert, help you to burn more calories, mobilize brown fat, and more. Visit podcompany.com and use my special promo code SHANE50107 for $10 off your order, and each sale helps to support the show as well. Stay cool out there, people. Are you looking for the perfect high-protein snack that isn't loaded with stuff like MSG, nitrates, and sugar? Carnivore Snacks is the perfect high-protein snack made from quality grass-fed beef and salt. That's it. Each bag uses one pound of high-quality beef, lamb, pork, or chicken, salt, and nothing else. Aside from being easy, healthy, and convenient, they also taste great. These snacks are not just another jerky. They are way better. Give a bag a try, and I know you'll keep coming back. Check out Carnivore Snacks, spelled with an X, dot com, and enter coupon code SHANE05137 for 15% off your order, and each sale will help support the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast as well. Welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, where ancient and modern wisdom come together to create a better way of living. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen, and each week we speak with successful people from a plethora of disciplines in search of wisdom from their own lives. Your own personal renaissance begins today. Let wisdom be your guide. Hey everybody, welcome to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast. I'm your host, Shane Sorensen. I'm here with today's guest, Ed Lattimore. Welcome to the show. Hey, how are you, man? I'm doing good. I'm I'm glad we were able to link up this morning. Uh, yeah, it's, it's it's a good day, you know. So I I just had my son, and there's a I figured I wouldn't have to set an alarm. And don't you know this was one day he <laughs> he decided he was going to sleep in. So oh, man. it's all good. I set my alarm. I was up. <laughs> yeah. But I was like, oh, that's funny. The alarm got me up, not him. Sure. Well, why don't you um, why don't you start out? Just introduce yourself and tell us a little bit about uh, you and your background. All right. Yeah. So, so I'm I'm at Lattimore. I used to fight professionally, and now I I make a living writing, uh, a, a lot of writing these days. I just secured a, a book deal with Penguin, so that's been eating up awesome. a lot of my, my writing awesome. and. And I know that's going to take things to to a high level. And then 
uh, writing for my newsletter, The Stoic Street Smarts. Uh, I send out an email. I try to send one out once a week, especially now that people are paying me. So that's uh, that makes a difference. But all of my writing centers around uh, the things that I learned through the different phases and activities in my life. So the, the first phase, I grew up. I grew up in public housing with a with a single mom and dealt with that stuff. And then I started boxing, but uh, I, I didn't start boxing until I was 22. Uh, but as, as I started boxing, that really revved up my alcoholism. And I didn't get sober until the end of my 20s, I think 28, maybe 29. I know definitely, I don't later, know later than 29 because it'll be, oh, I'll have 10 years this year. So it'll be, it, it's, it's the very tail end of 28. Uh, this December, and and I also you know went back to school and really tried to to fix things and and learn physics and math. Even though I was a failing math student, so there's there's all these these all of my writing comes from all these places, and then also the things that I'm, I'm most interested in. Uh, you know, like at this point in my life right now, I'm I'm most interested in. And probably, I guess the best way to describe it would be be biochemistry and, and biomechanics. And I'm really putting a lot of energy into that. I even signed up for some Coursera courses to just keep me along track. Uh, but also, uh, finally, really immersing myself in learning Portuguese because my wife's Portuguese, and we're now that we have a kid, we're gonna take him over to. We're, we're, we're trying to go. Freaking State Department messed up the passport situation. Uh, but now we just got it, so we're we're, we're trying to go uh, for the holidays, but we'll see what happens. So that's um that's a that's a sum up. I mean, I'm sure as we we talk and ask questions, more things we revealed, but that's generally the the who and what of me. Yeah, well, one of the you know one of the things that really interested me about you know speaking with you specifically is I I really am drawn to and, you know, fancy myself a little bit of like kind of that typical Renaissance man idea, right? Where you're, you're doing a lot of things, you're doing chess, uh, you know, you're learning a language, you're a pro fighter, you're a writer. Uh, I think it's really cool speaking with people that are dabbling in a lot of different things, especially because I think in the modern world, right, there's so much emphasis on specialization, like you have to go in and you have to do this, this, this one thing. And I think it's, I think it's a lot more beneficial to you as a human being to, you know, like kind of sow your oats in a lot of different areas and fields. Cause you just, you learn so many things from so many different areas. You're able to kind of put all those things together and become this, this very unique individual, right? Yeah. You, you end up with, you end up with a lot of different analogies to work with, to interpret the world. Yeah. And, and the, the, the cool thing about doing it this way is is when you so analogy isn't perfect and and when one thing in a disparate field is not like the other thing so yeah. you can only get an approximation and some of those approximations are, are really good for example uh you know chess is a, is a good approximation for planning and the, for the planning and strategic parts of life Right, you you set a plan. You you see how things are going to turn out. You read the field. You look at the obstacles, and then you come up with a counter, uh, or not a counter, but you you come up with a way to navigate. That's that's a very important part of life. 
But life is not so. So a lot of people don't notice, but chess is not even technically a game by the purest sense of the word because computers can solve it. There's no uncertainty. So we we have to come up with another analogy for the uncertainty of life, right? And and that's why I like poker is 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 another analogy, right? So you're dealing with that uncertainty. You know, you don't know what cards you're gonna get. I you know how you were born or what's gonna happen. It's how you play it. How you make the most of the situation. But then when you lose. You need another analogy, and then, you know. So boxing comes in as this great analogy uh, for 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 getting back up after you've been knocked down and, and figuring things out and and dealing with pain and suffering towards something righteous. Uh, so so I just get analogy on top of analogy on top of analogy. You know, when I went back to school, you know, I didn't I didn't have I didn't have the math chops, and I spent a lot of time improving my math chops from when I was from when I was a terrible math student in high school. But what, what really helped is I had this, I guess for lack of a better word, life experience. And that that helped me create these different analogies to learn different things. And so I think the most powerful thing a person can do, uh, as you, you said, is, is learn different things in completely different disciplines. And you start going, you know, people go, why are you learning X? And and why you know my wife was like why is there a sketch pad here I'm like well I figured it will help me as I learn anatomy to to sketch these things out and to make these sketches and it does and it also makes me a better artist and and it, it also helps me remember you know all these weird uh, anatomy terms like medial distal lateral anterior posterior and they're not weird we just don't talk like that right. and learning those words help me learn the romance languages better, but it also helps me, you know, it's helped me teach boxing because I, I can tell a guy, you know, well, I need you to move laterally. And as you punch, I need your, your shoulder to come to the middle. And and even if I don't say, you know, move towards the medial end, like I have the idea. And that's why Renaissance Wisdom is the podcast is called and, and learning different analogies is really important. For sure. I, I want to congratulate you too on the uh, you know the book deal with Penguin. That's a that's that's a big deal. Uh, yeah, they <laughs> that's um I don't know, man. It's it's a, it's a really cool thing because I, I didn't know any of this going into it. I got got really lucky, and that could be a whole whole podcast. But I was trying to get a deal, and and I got a deal, and and I didn't know who was going to get me a deal or who my agent was. Believe it or not. Uh, I I had a very roundabout way into this game, but I ended up in probably the strongest position, certainly for a first-time writer, you could ever end up in. What what a combination of who my agent is and and who I'm being published by. For sure, your your previous books did did you self-publish uh, all those? Self-publish, right? Yeah, <laughs> and so self-publishing is a hell of a hell of a game, man. Uh, the yeah. first book was, uh, I mean, it, it, people like it. I think it's terrible. Um, I did it on a shoestring budget. Is then I had my friends editing uh, for me, so there's a, there's tons of typos. But but the title was good, and that caught a lot of eyes. The second book was, you know, I had a lot more money at that point. And I could put some some real care into it, real execution, and it, and it turned out great. But this one, I'm like, oh, all I have to do is write. Uh, but I still have, but it's weird because even all I have to do is write. Now the writing's at a, at a much higher caliber and it's, it's a different story, but I'm having fun. 
Yeah. Awesome, man. What what else are you working on currently? Uh, currently, man. So, so the, the one of the best parts about having you have any kids? Not yet. No kids yet. Let, let me tell you the cool thing about having a kid. Because I I didn't know if I was gonna have one. This guy just you know when you're with somebody for ten years, there's no accidents, but there are unplanned events, and and this guy was very much an unplanned event, and I'm so happy he's here now, uh, because. Uh, what, what a kid does is you, you, you kind of get on their schedule as weird as it sounds. I mean, they get on our schedule too, but we we get on theirs. And because like I can't like delegate the child uh, or outsource the child, I am I have to set everything up around him. And so what that has made me do is I've gotten you know you, you're the I actually told some people in June that they were the last podcast I was going to do till 2024. So you, so you made it in. I got lucky. Uh, but, 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 but normally I've been, you know, I've cut out all the podcasts so I can focus on writing this, this stellar book. Cause I know if I do this correctly with the people and the tools I have around me, this thing is going, is going to put me on, on the back. You know, I think, I think I'm on the map, but you got to think that, but the reality if I step back, as I know, there's, there's some levels to go. So there's yeah. the book. Uh, there is, uh, I, I, I'm training again to fight, uh, but this time as a, as a cruiserweight. So uh, that's uh, people who don't know boxing. I fought as a heavyweight. That's the heaviest you can be. With a, the minimum is 201. But I'm a small heavyweight. Uh, and I always wonder what I could do. Plus, in this seven years of being off, I just I, I learned a lot more. I started coaching a little bit so I could see things. And I was like, well, I'm, I'm only 30. I mean, I'm not only 38, but I've kept myself in incredible shape, uh, especially because I don't drink and I don't eat nonsense. And and I know, you know, and I've got the record from when I was when I fought. So this will be a really fun thing to try. So I'm doing that. So there, there's the book, there's writing and. And I'm working on my membership offer because one of the things that I, I really didn't like about about my my we'll call it my my rise to popularity on the internet is that I didn't really have a focused way to make money. And the way that I found to make money, like like I'm good at writing, but that's not what I want to teach or discuss. Um so now I'm really focusing on building this membership that, that ideally will be launched in the next, I think, two to three weeks. Awesome. Um, we'll see. And then, and then I'll just be in the background as I as I build and grow and expand on topics that I'm writing about now that that are more aligned with my interest at the moment and work with the book and all that stuff. So so there's that. It's those are really the the three biggies. And I mean, because the, the kid is not my full time job. Everything else is a side hustle, even though that like the kid doesn't pay rent. So yeah. I got to go. I got to do that. So um, those those are the things that I'm working on right at the moment. And and I think that I think that in a year I'll look back and just be like, wow, this was really something. It really worked out great. But we got to keep keep busting ass, keep hustling. It- <laughs> It's always a grind. There's always something going on, especially when you're, you know, put putting yourself into all these like different areas. You know, that's how, uh, that's kind of how my, my time goes. It's like, I got like my, my full-time like day job career. I've got, you know, the podcast, I got the, you know, the next book that I'm working on it. Yeah, I got jujitsu. I'm a, you know, I'm a Brazilian jujitsu guy. So 
um, and and gym and everything against the BJJ guys. Yeah, (laughs) you know, every now and then I'll 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 make a jab online, uh, but I got I got nothing but respect for the BJJ guys. I I think everyone should should do it do a striking even an amateur fight, but but you know other than that. I think the uh, the cost of of boxing for most of us exceeds the value received. Yeah, <laughs> and and you can practice BJJ till you the day you die. You fuck around and die boxing. You know? For sure. And <laughs> I actually, uh, you know, I don't I don't think I've ever like talked about this on the the podcast or anything. But I'm actually so I'm an O and one professional boxer, and the way that that happened oh, was uh, I was I was a three and O amateur MMA fighter like. People knew me in the local community. Um, I was like 19 and never done, you know, an amateur boxing match. I, I did, I did take boxing. Like I, I did, uh, you know, get sparring rounds in and I went up to like this local place called the Pal Club. It was the uh, Police Athletic League. And Athletic League. And, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I hit bags and stuff like that. And, but I, I was never like, you know, technically on a bag, I was good. But as you know, like, Hitting a bag and hitting hard is is totally different than like getting in and doing that really skilled like footwork and sparring and you know hand pads. So, um, a moving target for sure. And I I had this guy was kind of like a you know a friend, a guy that I knew. He was a local promoter, and this is like before you know Jake Paul and all these like guys were were coming in and like all these crossover fights. But um, I guess you know he just was like, oh, he's a local MMA fighter. He's 3-0. and Let's bring him in for a boxing match. And, you know, they told me like, oh, you're going to fight this guy. He's like, he's a can. He sucks. I know you've never had an amateur match, whatever. And um, I, I come out and fight this guy. He's like 7-0, and fighting out of like man, Windy, Windy City Boxing Gym. And uh, See, man, it, they ain't shit. That's the kind of thing they do in boxing. <laughs> yeah. They're like, like, that sounds shady, but that's – that's typical boxing shit. They told me hey, he's a cat. He's seven and zero. <laughs> yeah. Look, I had a. They they try, and a lot of times they try. My pro debut, uh, I fought a guy who was a southpaw was four and one, because not that they had to do it though, because I came off of I had a very you know different uh, boxing background. Yeah. A very extensive amateur career uh, with, with like some notable wins over some names that, that got big and, and won the Police Athletic League National Championship in 2011 or 2011. So like, they're like, all right, well, no one's really trying to fight you. So here's who, who are, here are our options, right? Yeah. And so I fought this guy and, and I was actually down on the cards. I knocked him out, man, because I got a great coach who told me what to do, and and I just listened, <laughs> and it and it told to change the outcome of the fight, man. I put that guy to sleep. That's awesome. It definitely. I I wish I could have uh you know pulled off an upset like that, but man, I just uh I got beat up, and like when I when I was like after the match, I was kind of thinking about it, and I was like, man, you know, you know, I've, I've done three amateur MMA fights. And I basically go out, take everybody down and just beat the crap out of them until the, until the ref stops it. And I'm like, I, I basically, I think I got hit like twice in all three of my fights. I mean, they all ended first round very quick and I started thinking about it. And I'm like, you know, if I keep fighting, eventually I'm going to end up having fights that are like this, where I'm going to be forced to stand up with somebody. Maybe I can take them down <laughs> eventually. 
And I'm like, yeah. do I really, you know, do I really want to take this kind of like damage? Cause like you said, like that, the, the damage that you take in boxing is just different than the damage that you take in jujitsu or, or even honestly, even MMA. And I think that a, a good example of this is like when Conor McGregor fought uh, Nate Diaz, right? It was like, he went out and he finished everybody very quick. And when he went out with Nate Diaz, not that Nate Diaz is this like super skilled boxer, but he's a guy that can just absorb damage and just keep coming at you. And it's like so many boxers, like you've learned how to absorb damage to cover up, to just to be this like freaking wall that you can throw everything into and you can just absorb it and keep firing back and just keep walking somebody down. Um, that's a different experience, you know, like when, when you have to like the idea of like going a 12 round fight, uh, that that's so different than even MMA where it's, you know, three, four, five rounds and it's over. So, uh, props, man. It's a, it's a, it's a mental game, but it's a very physical game. I mean, you're just, you got to take yeah, damage. Well, I mean, you, you, what you, what you end up having to do is, is you, you just, uh, I wish that there's nothing like boxing. That's why everything is the analogy. Uh, that's why boxing is an analogy for everything else. And there, there are, I haven't encountered many analogies for boxing. Uh, the whole thing. So it's hard. And and I would not even go as far as to describe it as fun. It's yeah. it's just what it is and it is not enjoyable. But but you know, you know what it reminds me of? I read this article a while ago and they talk about these two types of fun. They talk about type one fun and type two fun. Uh, type one fun is like, oh, let's go out with the boys and drink and party and chase bitches, like that kind of fun, right? Go roller coaster trips and they'll post on on IG hashtag YOLO all that shit, right? Uh, but then there's the type two fun, which is like running a marathon, raising a baby, or a professional fight. Uh, these are things that don't uh, feel good at all. They're just not fun. <laughs> yeah. And and in the moment, you're not really enjoying yourself but at the you know when you when you finish it you 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 look back on it you look back on it kind of fondly and you go you know you finished you finished it you did it you develop you you um it's weird to put them in even use the same adjective for both fun i i just but i don't think our language gives us gives us a better positive word to describe those activities. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, I think I probably gravitate towards the type two fun a little bit. It sounds, it sounds like you probably do too. There's something about the grind that's like terrible, but kind of enjoyable at the same time in a weird way. Uh, Well, well for me, uh, you know, happiness is not fun. Who cares about fun? Who cares about being happy? I, I think that's one of the most, um, I think that's one of the the best lessons I got from my childhood, quite on accident. Is it, you know, who cares if it's fun or enjoyable? What what's it doing to to advance your position in life? Because I cause, cause for whatever reason I figured early on that if if it's enjoyable, or rather let's let's throw that out the window. If if it if it uh expands or enhances my capabilities. Mm-hmm then what I end up being able to do later is have more fun. 
But if I get too caught up in the fun, I'm not going to be able to to continue because my my capacities won't be expanded. More succinctly, I, I always tell guys, you know, the greatest danger of success is success. Is that when you when you're successful, you kind of want to chill out and and party or whatever, and it's not good. Marvin Hagler used to say that he's like, you know, I can beat that guy. He don't. He he's in, he's in silk pajamas at. Uh, and and you know I'm I'm up yeah. running at five a.m. He, he too he too comfortable. So it, when you when you look at it that way, at least that's how I look at it. That's how I, I kind of reconcile the relationship between the, the grind and having fun. Is that I know if I stay focused and work hard, I'll be able to enjoy life. And and if I don't, then it's gonna suck. Like like the the arc of my life. Uh, a lot of people don't. I mean, they they do know, but. But I was, um, you know, before I got sober and really got on the the ground and everything, I, I you know I didn't have any money. Uh, I didn't have any way to make money. I I was an amateur. I mean, I turned pro, but there ain't no money in boxing. Like it, it, but but because I put my mind to like a a path and really focus, and it, and it did the work definitely, especially from like twenty fourteen to twenty sixteen. I, fun is not the adjective that I would, I'd use to describe that period of, period of time, but it made such a big difference in my ability to enjoy the, my life. It changed everything. Yeah. I, I wanted to ask you too, and I know you, you've kind of like roundabout referenced your childhood a little bit. Um, I, I did want to ask you specifically, you know, about, you know, kind of what it was like growing up and how you think that like some of the struggles and the things that you went through growing up shaped your mindset today. Um, for better or worse, I, I understood very early, probably earlier than a child needs to understand, uh, for better or worse, I understood that no one was coming to save me. Mm, you know, that that's yeah. popular to say today with a bunch of guys who, Military they never guys. really been, you know. Well, yeah. well, military guys too, but but I hear I hear it floating. I see it floating around on the internet a lot, and and it's popular for these guys to say, but but I don't think they've ever been in a situation where they really had to be left alone and figure this stuff out, uh, and not not like where you're expected to. Like it's one thing yeah. when you're when you're twenty and. And they're like, yo, you need to get a job and figure this lifting the life thing out. It's a totally different aspect when you're 11 and watching your mom get put into the back of a police car. You you got to figure things out, you know. That's that that sucks. Uh, different aspect when you when you you got to worry about the, on the school bus being thrown off the school bus. Not like thrown off by authorities, but like throwing out the emergency exit when it's speeding down the highway. Because kids doing dumb shit like opening the window. Yeah. You gotta be able to fight for yourself and fend for yourself. Um when when you are because I didn't have any family, so it was just me, me and my sister. So so I understood real quickly very early on that, that nobody was coming to to grab me it, it wasn't really a thing and and that's that's how that carried with me into my adulthood for sure right yeah uh, i mean 
boxing is, is, is a great example of that type of activity where, where it's me and nobody else in there. You know, you figure it out. You have fun. Uh, you don't have fun, but, but you, you figure it out. You, you solve right. a problem. And, and you solve a problem that, 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 that's painful to solve, even when it's not painful. <laughs> you know? So yeah. that that's really the biggest thing that I think has swung either way, positive or negative. You know, I've, I've got a great... I think I think better than the, yeah. I used to think it was better than the average person. I just used to think that now I know after talking with people on the internet and seeing the shit people fall for and believe and think, you know, uh, when you when you grow up in that environment, you don't you you, you don't get scammed, you don't get hustled, or at least not more than once. Uh, so you start looking for different signs and you can see them and 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 I don't. It's not that I know who's a scammer who isn't on the internet. But I know when shit doesn't add up because I know what things look like and I know people because I had to know people. If I didn't know people, I'd mess around and do something stupid, say something stupid. Uh, I have to navigate it. And and that that transcends levels because of because of the fortunate circumstances growing up. I spent the first 14 years all like like pretty much 98% of the time in the projects or around people from the projects in the hood. And then I go to this this school across town that is in a completely different social economic bracket. And, and I have to learn how to speak and move and work a different way. And all of this comes back full circle and helps me become a better communicator and be able to read people's communication. So, yeah. so when I see people, you know, I, I, I know who's foolish shit. Like at the very least, yeah. I, I, I assign a probability to it, you know, I look at it, that, that and I go, man, you are definitely faking the fun, brother. Like, like, and and it and it's crazy to me because because I guess now at thirty eight and, and having started, I consider myself without a doubt a late bloomer in in every aspect, right? So having started late, I know all it would take is like you know two two years of some real work to build a real body of work. But the problem is not everyone thinks all you got to do is make some money online and you're the man. Like when you look at the skill stacks, all the skill stacks, copywriting, email marketing, social media marketing. So everyone, these guys, you know, they think that making money makes them, makes them valuable and it's, uh, as far as from it. But yeah, that, that's yeah. a bit of a rant, but. <laughs> nah, I'm, I'm with you, man. And sometimes like, you know, I, I do the podcast, I wrote the book, I, I try to put out like, you know, daily quotes and inspiration. And, you know, unfortunately, like, that stuff only sells to like a small group of people, right? Like, what what's what tends to be, <laughs> it's like, you, you look at some of these like YouTubers, right? You, you look at these people, and they just, just stream nonsense and just scream and just like, just bring bring women on their show and talk about asses and just uh, you know, like, like these, like Aiden Ross type characters that you see everywhere. And you're like, fortunately, like that, that's entertainment. Right. And it, it's like yeah. what you talked about with type one versus type two, right? Like some, some people, they just, they want to just veg out and they just want to watch like the lowest common denominator, like basic, like least thought intensive thing that they can possibly immerse themselves in. But there's a smaller group of people that want to watch something that they can learn something from and that enriches their life. And because here's, because man, check it. Like 
humans will always assume the most energy efficient configuration in whatever they do. That's the most general way of saying we take the easy way. Yeah. Uh, and and that applies to our thinking and what we consume as well. You know, people aren't, uh, it's not natural to want to go study something difficult. It's natural to want to do something easy. It's not natural to want to go, you know, when I get off this call, I take my son, we go running for two miles. And he can't run yet. He just sits on a stroller and shit. But, yeah. like, uh, that's not natural to get up and go do that every day. It's a lot easier to just chill out. But but the what you get from it is is so... What you get from it, it, it really makes a big difference. Your whole life changes um, when you decide to embrace a path of of difficulty, and and like and and not just in some abstract. Here's a motivational quote way, you know. We're just using this example to running. Uh, me me running, that's going to make my health better. Uh, that's going to improve my quality of life because of it. Right. It's going to yeah. make make sure that, you know, as I get older, I have fewer and fewer issues. Um, and I'll be able to even benefit, you know, if I just, you know, when I go, go, go train because I get, I get my running. Right. But uh, I just, I just think there's a, like you said, man, people don't, they want to consume fun stuff that doesn't really make a difference. But no. Yeah. Well, it's a, it's a trade-off, right? I mean, you're, you're, it's, and it's a sacrifice. It's kind of like, you know, like farming would be a great example of it, right? Is like when you when you decide that you want to do something that's difficult for the you know for a purpose, it's kind of like taking the time to like rip up the soil and till it up and put fertilizer in it and water it, and you you have this like long labor of love, but at the end you get this you get this food that can come out and nourish you and you know provide sustenance for you versus you know. It's it's like the old story of the ant and the grasshopper, right? I don't know if you've probably heard that one, but like yeah, the, yeah, you know the grasshoppers they just they just run around during the summer and they just eat what they do and they fly around <laughs> and they have fun and a... the the ants they they take all the food and they put it down in their hill and in the in the winter you know the grasshoppers like hey let me get some of that food and that the, the ants like, like the um, I can't it's <laughs> like the owl and a squirrel or something I can't remember yeah. like, real like similar story but same idea. Yeah, you see it everywhere, right? And it's it's the same thing. Like everything is that you know, diet is that way, exercise is that way, reading a book is that way. Like you know, it's not. I mean, it is enjoyable to read a book, right? It, it can be enjoyable to like prepare healthy foods. Like there is a sense of fulfillment that you get from these things, but generally, it's because you kind of know that you're doing something that's like good for you. It's a different type of satisfaction than just. Grab grabbing like the pizza, right? Versus like grabbing grabbing something that's a little better for you. So, I think that it's uh, and you know, Jocko says this a lot. Um, the the discipline is freedom. I, I think that that's yeah. so true. You know, you want to know another place that I popped up recently in the conversation, and I, I used to try and tell my buddy this. I just saw somebody let somebody say it, and I was like, yeah, you know, you you get it because I just never seen somebody else say it that way. Uh, and it was, you know, when you, when you have like, uh, a relate, when you're in a relationship, you, you're way more free than when you're not because mm, yeah, 
because yeah. you can't stop chasing like like guys can't stop chasing up when the lives chasing chicks and can't no discipline no time because because there's a trade-off like you you, you kind of can't be disciplined otherwise you won't get the opportunity to to meet a woman uh if you're too disciplined you know that matters so so you have to devote that energy to take care of that and and the 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 less successful you are, the more energy you have to devote, kind of by definition, because you're still in this state of singleness. Yeah. Uh, and that that's a big, big deal, man. A lot of guys waste a lot of... I won't even say waste, because waste implies that they get nothing for it. A lot of guys use a lot of energy chasing women, you know? And, and it just... It never... <laughs> it, it never goes well. I use up a lot of power... It takes a lot of time, so that that's very very true. You know, I, there's like a saying: "Is behind behind every good man is a good woman." Right? I mean, a good woman, well, man. Not, it... You know, <laughs> yeah, not even that, but but man, just think about it. Um, how, that's the most powerful force, arguably. One might argue that the the need to survive is is greater in humans. But but those are the two that are weighed up against them. When you look at R and K type style reproduction, when they talk about those those styles that all civilizations or our societies adopt uh, in both the animal and human um, domains, it's are you putting your energy towards reproduction or survival? So so those are like the two. That's why I say arguably the two most powerful driving forces uh, in human nature. So if if you're not if you don't have the ability to reproduce on a lot, you're going to spend a lot of time dealing with it because you don't have to worry about survival, not in the 21st century, certainly not in any developed nation. Yeah. Uh, so you got all this energy to put towards that and you're going to, you're going to ruin a lot, man, especially if no one ever taught you discipline. You see it all the time, guys, you know, they turn 30 and their biggest accomplishment is like getting hosed. Like it's, it's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely a definitely easy trap to fall into for sure. Um, I, I wanted to ask you too, like, so a little bit about like your your boxing. I was curious, like, what what actually made you take a step back from boxing? And and by the way, I, I know you mentioned earlier uh, you're you're planning on getting some fights going back. So I'll, I'm rooting for you, man. I, I love a cool uh, like comeback story, like someone steps away and comes back. So. Yeah, it'll be it'll be fun. Certainly, I mean, I stepped away for a long time. My last yeah. fight was the end of twenty sixteen. So we'll we'll see what happens. But but I feel I I feel confident. But I have to feel confident. You know. Yeah. But as far as what made me take a step back initially, you know, uh, I had my last fight in the ring in December. It was a I fought to a draw after I lost in September. Uh, that that year, and you know you gotta understand something about boxing. To a certain point, you become more valuable as a loser. I had more big money offers after I lost that fight than than ever before. Guys are calling me, "Come fight this guy for twenty, come fight this guy for 40 I'm like, "You get you fucking crazy," uh, because I knew the game. Fortunately, I knew the game. Uh, even if I even even if I wasn't me. I was surrounded by people who were veterans of the sport, and and I and I learned a lot from them. So, 
So let, let's like put that seed down so we have to deal with it. Um, the I took the next year off. I took all of 2017 off, let my body heal, let me finish up my degree without having to get to the gym because you, you can't just phone in a, a physics degree. I was, I was really busting my ass for 2014, 2015, and the first part of 2016. I was miserable. I, I don't even, like, when I think about it, I, I think about, the, the only other time in my life I've been this miserable, I'm just going to keep it real with you, it's a wonderful feeling, it's a wonderful time. Only other time in my life I was that miserable were the first two months of, of Henry being here. Because that shit, a, a newborn is a lot yeah. of energy, a lot yeah. of sleep deprivation. And I'm lucky. I don't have a job. Like, I work for myself. Is what I, like, or I'm not on someone else's schedule. Right. I can't imagine how the people deal with it. But, uh, so, so I do all that. 2018, I start training again. I'm, I'm getting myself back in shape. And, and then I go spar with this guy that I wasn't supposed to spar with and got injured, got a blowout fracture, broken rib, um, and, and a concussion. And I had to pull out a fight. Now, I'm a fight I was set to go fight in New Zealand. And then my um, my coach at the time, he's still my coach, still good friend. He's just, at first he was mad at me. And then he goes, you know, look at where your life is right now. You don't really need to do this. I had just that that month. This was May, and May was the first time I made more than made more than ten grand on the internet in a, in a month. Uh, it was also I also had graduated that that month, and I was like, you know, you're exactly right. Uh, I'm gonna go travel because I've been my my wife. She's she's uh always been involved in in travel when i met her she was the international she was the uh the assistant director for international missions at at, at uh, school and so she had to go on trips for that and then she runs a travel agency and ours rather she's an independent uh travel agent and i said you know uh, i didn't really get a chance to go on trips because well, one i didn't have the money but but two more importantly i didn't have the time so I said I'm gonna go do that and go see some stuff and and see the world and and I started doing that and and it was really a a, a good decision. I I wouldn't have been able to live in Portugal. We lived in Portugal for a little while. Uh, spent a lot of time in a lot of different places in Africa and uh, Europe and South America and Central America. Uh, really fun. Oddly enough, I mean I I like Canada a lot. Um, at least the places I've been in Canada, and I've only gone to the nice places. <laughs> so Vancouver, yeah. Montreal, Quebec City. Uh, and, and that's always been something I wanted to do because it was something I didn't get a chance to do at all growing up. Travel was not a thing. I didn't get on an airplane until I was 18, and that was because of a recruiting trip to the University of Rochester. They played, paid for me to fly to Rochester when I was playing football. Um. But but uh, I wanted to see the world, and then when I stopped doing that, I realized that I could, I had a, I had the opportunity to make a much bigger impact on on the world with with my writing. And so I put a lot of energy into my writing, and and that paid off. And and I'll tell you what, man, it, there have been there have been several months. 
Or most months. I, I make more than I ever made in, in, in fighting. And that's a hard circle to square, man. Going back to that lifestyle and that, but the, yeah. the time it takes knowing what the, what the financial trade-off is when you have other ways to make money. Um, so that was, that's pretty much what it was. And I was just like, you know, I, I, and I was still in the gym, you know, in fact, that was the sparring partner for Roy Jones Jr. When he was fighting Mike Tyson. And so there was that, but like, I didn't, I didn't like do anything else really, uh, with, with, with the sport because I was so focused on other areas of my life and it was, it was a good time, man. Um, and now going back, I'm not attached to it whatsoever. You know, I don't need, you know, now I think if, if my plan is even halfway successful, um, I think I'll end up making a bit more money than I ever had, but that's, but I'm not doing it for that. I'm mainly going because I think it'll be one, a really good promotion for the book that is titled hard lessons from the hurt business. Uh, two, because I want to test out a lot of ideas that I developed about mechanics and movement that no one taught me. Uh, and and three, it'll just it'll just be a cool thing to to do. I wanna I wanna know if I could have done cruiser. You know, I, I shouldn't have been a heavyweight, but that's just kind of where I stumbled into, uh, because the division changed a lot while I was, especially near the end of my amateur career, but the end of my pro career. Like like if it was where it was today when I started, I would I, it wouldn't even be a question. I would go straight to cruiserweight. These guys are huge. I'm only six one. Uh. Average height. You, you, I don't remember the last time I seen a, a fighter under six three and under two hundred and thirty pounds. Yeah. And those guys, and you got to remember something. Them guys, are, they're not cutting per se because they don't have to cut, but but they're walking around with a lot of strength and mass. Like it ain't it ain't like you know when I come like it's like. It's like for fight week, I come in around two fifteen because that's what happens when I am training. I come in at two fifteen, then I then I chill out that night before the fight. Uh, re, I don't rehydrate because I wasn't trying to lose water, but I, but I don't run or hit pads all day, right? So I come in to, to fight night, probably like 221, 222. You know, these guys, they, a percentage for them, the same percentage is a lot bigger. So even though he comes in on the scale at, at 235, you know, 240, he's probably going to be in a fight that night. Yeah, 246 to 250. See, and that's, that's a big difference, man. It's a big, big, big difference. Like the height. And the the weight not is hard because I have to be in way better cardiovascular conditioning than than people have any idea because that weight pushing on you is hard and yeah. and you can't like stand there in front of them and take the shots because or roll with the shots. This is it was just a harder game physically, and I, so I want to see what happens when I'm I'm coming down and I like I have I'll have like the 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 natural size advantage and I won't be. I won't be the tallest guy always, but I I should be in like the 80th percentile as opposed to the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like it'll be a better fit for you. You know, like 
Your story reminds me a little bit of mine because I, I was training and competing full-time in jiu-jitsu and I had a couple of injuries and uh, took some time off and it, I kind of ended up like refocusing my life in, in different directions as well. But it's like, I don't have that regret or that feeling of like, Hey, what if I could have? Cause I, I was kind of like right there, I was knocking on the door of success and I just kind of chose to go down a different path, you know, versus like never have tried it or, um, you know, just giving up. I think it, it's, I think it's a valuable thing to say like, Hey, I had this thing that I wanted to go for. I did it. I got there. And, you know, like the, the chessboard of life, I looked at my pieces and I just, I rearranged them and found there was a different path forward. Something that I, I hear about a lot, or I, I read about is like this, this concept of goal amnesia, right? Where you're, you're so focused oh. on a goal that it's like, you forget that there are other opportunities. And an example of this is uh, there were some climbers that went up to Mount Everest and basically this, this group was just, you know, like a normal group. Like some of the people had already attempted a couple of ascents up to the summit and they hadn't made it. And there were some weather and some timing things that were going on that basically th this group wasn't going to be able to make it to the summit. They were going to have to turn back around and you know, someone made the call or just collectively as the group, they made the call, like we're, we're going to go up to the summit. And every indication was that, that, that wasn't the move. And they went up, they got trapped. And like, I, I think, I mean, I don't remember if all of them died, but like a, a vast majority of these people died. And there, a lot of their bodies are oh. like markers up on the mountain that people that climb, they still see, cause they can't bring them down. And, you know, I think that they're like, especially in the self-improvement world, there's so much emphasis on like goals. You got to do goals. Like I'm not really a, a goal guy. Cause I think that you like, I have a direction, but I feel like you have to be kind of flexible to what life gives you. If you really want to capture those yes. opportunities. Right. Yeah. Oh man. Absolutely. I've, I've never heard that, uh, that story, but that's a, that is a powerful illustration of, of right. What happens when uh, you don't have, if you don't have, what's the word I want? I have a saying for it. Yeah. Never be so sure of what you want that you won't accept something better. Mm. And yeah. that, you know, that, that story of those climbers, you know, everything is saying like, yo, we like we can just come back another day. Yeah. You know, and they're like, nah, we're going to do it. And and it, it's the wrong decision because it's it's based it's it's when you, when you base things out of ego you you're gonna make a mistake uh, even if you get the right outcome it, it's how you get it that makes all the difference you know it's how you get it and if if you if you get it. If you get it the wrong way, or rather, if you, if you get it the right way, then w what you've done is you've created a sustainable process, and and in that process, you can you can extrapolate it, you can transmute it, uh, transcribe it, you or transmute it, uh, transfer it. That's what I wanted uh, to other domains and go. Okay, this worked. This was a sound process. I've eliminated the role of luck, good or bad, because I followed a process that wasn't attached to how I felt. 
about the outcome. I was detached, as they say, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you make it about your ego, the outcome, and saying, oh, I, I climbed this mountain, I did it. Uh, you you might get to the top. You, you might, They could have just as easily got to the top. But what that have served is a good story or a good example. It would have been a great story. But what it have served is, is a replicable system of of thought and approach. You might end up taking a wrong lesson, you know, just fuck around, solve the wrong problem, and then, then you got to deal with that. So so these kinds of, of things uh, people have to think about when they make decisions about their life. Mm-hmm. They have to decide, you know, oh, okay, do I want this so badly that that if things go pear shape, that it's not that it's gonna be like not not straight up for me, you know. <laughs> I'm right. I'm writing a speech on that right now. I have to deliver about you know you you make up you have to look at the decisions in your life like bets. And there's a, there's a great book on it's called Thinking in Bets. Uh, and, and when you do this, you are now forced to ask yourself, you know, what happens when I'm if I'm wrong? Kind of an expected value problem. And if that expected value is 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 really bad, like you die without a, a good trade off, and then you're making a wrong choice, like like you know, it's like I take a plane. We get in airplanes all the time. If that goes wrong, eh, it tends to go pretty bad, right? But the odds yeah. of it going wrong, did you you know what the odds of getting to a plane crash are? Like it's, it's nuts. It's especially, low. especially it's flying in low. the yeah. if you fly only in the United States, you 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 will never die in a, in a plane. Like at the very least, if you do, no one ever will die again. Like yeah. it's it's that low. Yeah. Um but that's acceptable. But imagine if it but imagine if it was one in fifty five hundred thousand. Uh, I probably wouldn't fly. Uh, you know that that's it's a little yeah. too high for me, considering how often people fly. So that that kind of deal. Yeah, for sure. I mean, driving is a way way bigger risk. I mean, you're like, I I think I saw someone break down the odds of dying in a plane crash in the United States is like you're more likely, I think, to get struck by lightning twice. Twice, yeah, <laughs> something crazy where. And and how many people do you know that have ever been struck by lightning? Right, like you know, even, even once, yeah, let alone twice. No, yeah. it's crazy. But that that's a thing. But it's yeah. true. You know, a a book that I might recommend you if you've never checked it out, just because it's on the same topic, is uh, it's called On Grand Strategy. Um, I, uh-huh. I, I can't remember the name of the author, but I think you'd appreciate it just from like the, I can tell kind of by the way you you think and everything. Um, he he looks at like different generals throughout history and kind of, I guess, breaks down like kind of the opposing mindsets that went into like why this person succeeded or failed. And it's, it's like, it, you know, it is history. It's like, it's interesting from that standpoint, but I really like how he breaks it down into kind of like mindsets. Um, so I don't know. I just make that recommendation too. I think you might be, I think you might like that. On book grand strategy. Yeah, man, yeah. that, that sounds up my alley. Um, because I'm always looking for good books on strategy, oddly enough. Yeah. yeah. So I'm going to type it in right now. So I have it, I have it to, to reference. Sure. Um, yeah, something, something I want to talk to you to, um, 
if, if somebody right now is listening to the show and they're going through a struggle, because you've gone through a lot of different struggles, right? You've made a lot of sacrifices to get where you are today. What What is a piece of advice that you would give to somebody going through like a, a difficult time? Um, you know, that this too shall pass. Uh, there's actually two pieces of advice because it depends on why they're, they're going through a difficult time. Sure. Um, so when something happened to them, you know, this, this too will pass. Shit out. Like people die. Uh, that's a hard thing for a lot of people. Yeah. But, but everyone dies. Everyone has to die. And, and I, I say that to lead into, you know, to a, to a bit of inductive reasoning here. In general, um, life is hard. And all you you know, and hard things will happen, but that doesn't mean they're they're bad. I was talking to a friend the other day on the same topic of, of someone dying and he's having a hard time dealing with the death of his mother and I reminded him, I said, Look, would you have preferred that she died before that you died before her? Would you would imagine what that would do to her having to put her baby to rest? Uh and one of you gotta go first, right? It's not like, you know, you were shit out of luck and, and you know didn't get the immor- immortality gene. Yeah. So uh I remind people that, that things are difficult, things are hard, that's part of life, but we, we live on and we, we grow and we get resilient. Now if if you're going through a hard time due to your actions or lack thereof, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the the difficulty of a task is irrelevant if if it's vital to your success. So I would I would remind them I would Say, you know, you know what you got to do to get out of this hard time. Yeah. Don't fall into the trap of thinking that because it's hard that that you can't. A lot of people let their feelings paralyze them uh, and not take action. So that is what. I would remind them to do, look, man, yeah, it sucks. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, you know, you don't have any money, whatever, right? Yeah, you feel like shit. But, you know, I will tell you why you're going to feel like shit in a year if you don't do anything about it now. Yeah. Uh, so though that that's my advice. And I don't, you know, that, that ain't like lovey-dovey feel-good advice, but I think we focus too much on feeling good and, and we yeah. don't focus on the fact that the good feelings come from from being effective in the world. They come from making a difference. They come from overcoming things, which all of these things they tend to be a little unpleasant, right? So, sure. uh, you gotta you gotta be willing to, to run into the fire if you want to be saved. Yeah, I I really like that you made like a, a really important distinction there. That there's it's about acceptance, but there's kind of like two different types of acceptance. There's like one is like accepting responsibility even if it's something that's beyond your control, right? Like I'm going to accept like kind of taking control and trying to like steer and react to this thing, but also, you know, accepting if this event is something that you created because there are actions that we, we do there, you know, just dumb shit that we do in life, things that we shouldn't be doing. (laughs) And we have to deal with the, the consequences of that. Like I know that, you know, for example, like you talk about in your background, like getting sober, right? If, if, the bad things that are happening in our life are the results of the actions that we keep making. We have to accept responsibility and try to, to reshape that. But at the same time, there are also events that just 
I mean, just call it random, call it luck, call it destiny, call it the plan of God, whatever it is that just happened. And we, we just have to accept them because there's nothing we can do about them. It didn't, it didn't come from our actions. There's nothing we can really do to change it. So, I mean, it's, it's acceptance, but there's, there's different types of acceptance for different situations, right? Not, not every, not every like response can just be summed up for every different situation. Every situation is a little different. You know, you got to strategize yeah. it. it. It's, it's, um, <clears throat> it's the best way. Well, yeah, yeah, man. Life, life just keeps throwing shit at you. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's not going anywhere. So, so stop thinking or stop trying to, or stop trying to, uh, create a life where you're free of problems, man. I don't that that's just a, an exercise of futility. It'll give you a headache. Uh, instead, just focus on getting better, stronger, more capable, uh developing a um, a faster reaction to things. You know, a lot of problems are are they they they're they're a lot less problematic if you get to them early. A lot yeah. of people want to avoid them because of the pain, like my my taxes. That's how I look at uh, that's how I think about what taxes. Taxes sucks, man. It's, it's like they, they take take like a third of your money so we can send it to freaking Ukraine, you know, so they can like. It's just yeah, it's know, just crazy. They, it's crazy. Nah, they they hit my um. They they effing hit my my uh, when you're a business cause, because I pay myself what is a LLC S core, which means I got to mm-hmm. pay yeah. Which is nice though, because because I keep a lot more of my money this way, um, but I gotta pay myself every time, which is weird because there'll be money in my my checking account, but then I have to run payroll. Okay, um, but one of the one of the the things that that this whole situation and with the kid too, responsibilities are really good. If you don't have responsibilities, you're probably gonna be a piece of shit, man. Like, like it's just there's there's no other way around it. Like. Yeah, and and that's kind of by definition, but like a little bit of a stretch. But but responsibilities force you to consider the repercussions of your actions or lack thereof. You know, because you know, before if I didn't you know worry about my taxes, it's like all right, whatever. You know, what y'all gonna do? Take me to jail? Well, they're not gonna do that. Not for you. <laughs> I mean, you gotta really be generous. Yeah. Yes. But like now, it's like all right, man. I really don't want to deal with this stress. Like, like that's what it is. Is you know, you you by avoiding stress, you end up having to face more stress. Deal with more stress. The world is funny that way. Yeah. So the the last little kind of section here, I always ask my guests uh, a set of little questions. We'll run through them. Just kind of looking at you personally, like your daily habits, things like that. So, like starting off, you know, what what are your daily habits? You have any daily habits you run through? <laughs> I wish, man. No. Um no, no believe it or not, I, I'm not a daily habit kind of dude. Okay. Because uh now I I gotta I gotta kinda in general, I don't have like a morning routine, daily habit that I do always. Right. Uh but what I what I do is, you know, what what is the the task of the day? What is what is the order? What's what's important? And I get you know, for example, like right now, um uh, I just happened to get a few different things not related to one another at all diagnosed. So I got to take uh, some medication every day. All right, that's cool. Uh, 
So I just get up, do it immediately. Boom. Okay. But I'm also getting in shape, so I got to make sure I go run. And I have to make sure I write at least a thousand words a day, uh, which is slowing up a little because I'm I'm nearing the end of the book and editing. But I still try and get my thousand in because because I have my website, my newsletter. So so right. Let's scratch that. Let's say the the one thing I do is I I try to write every day and and a minimum. I don't feel sick if I get 500 words down. I feel better if I get 1,000. Anything after that is a bonus. Gotcha. Yeah, it's just, uh, it sounds like you kind of have a an organization and you're, you're kind of playing the chess game every morning. You kind of wake up. Here's where my pieces are today. Here's where they need to be. Here's what I need to do. So it makes yeah, sense. And, right? and, and, and in that sense, you know, because, because there's nothing... I, you know, I, I wish I had a regular routine, but it just, it, it, it's hard, especially with the kid, right? The kid probably, oh, the kid don't <laughs> give a shit about my routine. Well, yesterday <laughs> he was up at six 30 today. He almost let me oversleep. I, yeah. And it's not like I can't, and, and you know, it's crazy. You know, it's not like I can just be like, it, it would almost be, it would almost be easier to have a routine if I had a regular job and I wasn't writing a book and, and trying to build things. That makes sense. Like I, I take the, I take the uninterrupted hours in the evening because he sleeps pretty good at night. So I'd use that. So I got to sleep in during the day. Otherwise I'll be walking around like a zombie, yeah. uh, you know, with, with, with consecutive days of five hours sleep. So yeah, that's what ends up working <clears throat> out. Uh, that's what ends up happening. Cool. What about um you know two two book recommendation? What are what are your top two books? Um, I tell everyone they should absorb the Course in Miracles, uh, because the Course in Miracles helped me understand, really helped me develop a framework for forgiveness, and forgiveness is is really important. It's helped me in my life. It continues to help me. Uh, and then after that, the Art of Learning. Mm, yeah, that's uh, the art of learning by Josh Whiteskin. Uh, I think, I I think that that you can you you'd be surprised what you can, how you can improve and optimize. You know, I'm not I'm not big on reading books for, for um for motivation or or inspiration, and I don't think you can learn mindset or anything from books like or anything like that from books. But the art of learning is a book about learning. It's it's tactical, mm-hmm. right? It's not a mindset thing. It's you know what he figured out from chess and tai chi push hands. Yeah, I I really liked that book. Uh, one, you know, just obviously being like a fighter and having that connection there. But I, I think it's really important that he emphasizes like so heavily the the idea of like intentional practice, right? Like actually, because. Yeah. Uh, it's it was kind of like I was talking way back in, in the show, like where I was I was talking about you know just like hitting the bag, right? You can you can say like, oh, I'm a you know, <laughs> I'm gonna be a boxer. Like I went in every day and I did an hour of bag work. Well, cool, you know you're gonna work on your power, but what about all the other parts of your game that you're missing? What about what about your footwork? What about your reaction? What about your head movement? What about your timing? What about uh, I mean, there's so many things that you're gonna miss if you just do that. So you have to look at your training and say, all right, like. You know, here, here's where I'm weak. Here's where I'm strong. Here's the areas that need more emphasis. Here's, you know, I need to put in the road work and, you know, get my cardio up so I have more endurance. I, I need to, uh, you know, get more sparring time so I can work on my head movement. Like, you have to be intentional. You can't just go in and be like, all right, you know, I'm, 
I'm here. I'm going to, I'm going to work the bag for an hour. You just, you're never going to get the, the results that you want that way. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's actually one of the things that I learned when I first got to, uh, my, my coach, when I transferred to transfer, it's weird. There's a whole story behind that. But when I first ended up with my coach, he was the coach of my whole pro career. Yeah. It's like hitting the back, like how you fight is, and it's not the same as a fight, but the intention and the power and the energy you put forth, it, it is like a fight in that regard, the output. Right. I want to ask you too, um, I always like to ask everybody, do you, do you have any like personal heroes or anyone you, you look up to? Um, uh, other than my coach, not really. Yeah. My, my coach is the only, you know, and I didn't have a role model or anything like that until I was 28, 28, 29 when I first started training with my coach, Tommy and Kellogg. Other than that, no, nah, I mean, you know, I try and take, I try to take what I can from people, uh, try to learn to become better, but. Yeah. But uh, I would like to. I don't have any any role role model because I, mean, I just never grew up with them and it, it never right. made sense. But the, yeah, so I, I didn't meet anybody like that until I started fighting. Hero is a strong word too, because hero like kind of implies an hero, almost like role model. None yeah. of that. I mean, there's yeah, that you know, there there are there are people who who have more traits than I would than I want than they don't have, right? right? But Yeah. I think that's the I think that's the popular answer, right? For sure. Yeah. <laughs> um so last question I got for you, uh let let's say you could uh you know hop in a time machine, go back to uh little Ed, you know, going through the teenage years, or maybe, you know, seems like a lot of the difficulties for you started even before the teenage years, but you know, if you if you could pick a moment in your life where you really needed some advice and you could go back and give yourself a piece of advice, what, what do you think it might be? Oh man, I would, there, there was a period of my life when I was, it's, it's almost, it's part of, it's not the only part, but it's part of what led me into boxing. Um, I was just in this rough, I mean, just the rough, just awful, ugly space. And I didn't have any way out of it either which is the worst part you know when, when you got when you have problems and you can travel or take class or stuff no i was just a broke loser uh I, I would tell myself that and this was right around this period of time when i was about 22 i would say focus on building spend two years just just put all your energy into to learning a crap learning something it ain't you ain't gotta go mm. to college um, and, and, and that's kind of what I did with boxing. Um, I probably would have chose something with a little better uh, ROI, sure. but, but even, but it still accomplished what it was supposed to accomplish, which was, which was changing the, uh, changing the trajectory in my life a little bit at first and then a lot later. Yeah. I think that's a tough thing about that question is like, if you're. If you're kind of like, if you're happy with who you are today and where you are, not, not to say that there couldn't be improvements or whatever, but it's like, if you're, if you're happy with who you are, I think it's difficult to really want to go back in time and change much. You know, you know what I mean? Cause like even the bad things, Shit, man, look, they made you who I, you are. Here's how I look at it. Like you can, 
when people say they don't have regrets, what they what they mean is they don't regret the outcome. But but there are a lot well, who they are today. But there are a lot of fucking processes that I regret. Like like sure. I wish that I had I had never had the the alcohol problems. Yeah. Because because well, I'm I'm not I'm not good at I can't in good conscience go well it turned out good so it's cool. I I think about the people I interacted with. And, yeah. and the people yeah. uh, I hurt. I think about the the risk I took where where the where the coin just happened to land up, but just as easily could have hurt or killed somebody. Right. Um, so if I could, you know, that's maybe that's another point. I'd say don't drink, don't touch the bottle, man. Just stay away. And what's crazy is I'm writing it now. Uh, in my book, you know, all the signs were there that I was going to become an alcoholic. Well, like all of them, it's kind of weird. Like, but but if no one knows them, uh, to even let alone tell you, yeah, they, whatever, right? You go for it. But but yeah, we we have a lot of, we know a lot more about addiction now than than we ever have because we keep trying to learn. And one of the right. things that, uh, if, if you want to talk about a risk factor, uh, I had. Just about every risk factor you could have. In fact, I mean, like to be out there. Why didn't I become a crackhead? Because that shit scared me. Because of who I was. I grew up next to crack addicts and, and heroin addicts, but, but booze, booze didn't scare me. Initially, I was put off by it because my mom was a big drunk. That's one of the reasons why she got arrested. A lot of people around me were big drunks. Initially, put me off, but then there was a social component to it. Of fitting in, finding this group with, with, with people, right? But if it had been hard drugs, it had been hard drugs, man. This is crazy. Like just looking at stuff like that. But but now it's not a problem, thank goodness. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome, man. Congrats on that, by the way. I mean, that's a that's a uh, big accomplishment, huge accomplishment. Thank thank you. Um, I I do not know what my life would be without it. I every day I look at Henry or Anna or my house are the opportunities that I have. And I know it all started when I stopped fucking my life. <laughs> like, yeah. You, you, you see that a lot, man. You see a lot of celebrities right that, man. I, you know, I thought they was just BS and playing lip service. Nah, man, that shit is true. I've seen Morgan Freeman say that Bradley Cooper. No, I mean, not Morgan Freeman. There I go getting all black actors confused. <laughs> uh, Denzel Washington say that Bradley Cooper say that, uh, yeah. The, the the opportunities really happen. Robert Downey, though he was talented, he just I just watched this uh this speech he gave where he was thanking Mel Gibson for taking a chance on him and getting clean and helping him get clean and cast him in this movie in a part that was written for him that helped him get his life around. The power when you when you have and it's not like just drinking because that's what people gotta understand it's not like oh I was having a few beers and when I when I put the beers down I really dialed into shit like nah man we talking alcoholic shit like right. compulsive obsessive to excess drinking uh, and some of us are just wired that way and then when you put it down it's, it's it opens the floodgates because that wiring has to now like we were saying at the beginning of the conversation. When you have one uh, a neural network from another skill helps you learn another one that'll help you learn another one in the future, you got this obsessive compulsive excessive uh, set of personality traits that you were focusing on 
you're focusing on on something destructive. And when you remove that, you focus yeah. on something new. Man, shit, it's not even a my life doesn't even look the same. It's kind of actually weird, like looking at it. I don't, yeah. Well, uh, Ed, man, I, I really enjoyed speaking with you today. If anybody listening wants to uh, reach out, uh, you know, look you up, get in touch with you, find out more about your work, what's the best way for someone to look you up or reach out? All right. So I'm uh, I'm Ed Lattimore everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, LinkedIn, YouTube. Uh, and on top of that, my website is edlattimore.com. So. Anybody who wants to reach out, find me somewhere. That's uh, that's the best place and best way to do it. Awesome. Well, uh, you know, thanks again for coming on. I really, really enjoyed speaking with you today, and I uh, hope you have a good rest of your day. Hey, thank you, man. I hope you have a good one as well. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to the Renaissance Wisdom Podcast, and hopefully, you learned at least one lesson on today's episode. Our mission here is to uncover practical wisdom to create a better way of living for our audience. If you enjoyed this episode, please help us by leaving the show a review on your podcast platform of choice and by giving it a share on social media. This really helps us to grow our audience and to continue to add more episodes. If you are interested in learning more, please check out our website at renaissance-wisdom.com or check out the book that started it all, Renaissance Wisdom, How to Flourish in the Modern Day, now on Amazon. Thank you again, and may wisdom be your guide.